Good morning. Did you all have a great Christmas? How many is just glad it's over? I got two hands raised. Um, it's hard to believe that we're at the end of another year. It just doesn't seem like it should be here already. I still feel like it's 2011. Um, I know this is a cliche, but really the older you get, the faster time goes by. And I've heard that over my whole life, but now I'm starting to realize that it's true. You know, this time of year we spend getting ready for the year coming up, the new year. But at the same time, we reflect on the year that we're leaving behind. It's kind of like one of those weird times. It's after Christmas, but before New Year's. And so you have those mixed emotions and mixed thoughts and feelings. As we reflect, we think about the really big events that happened over the course of the year. Maybe there was a marriage in our life. Maybe there was a birth of a child or a grandchild. Maybe we got a new job or we got that promotion this past year. Or maybe we bought a new home. And those are all good things, but unfortunately what also crosses our minds during this time of year are some things that may have been difficult throughout the year. And it's at this time, and I don't know why it is, but it's at this time of the year where we reflect most on the ups and the downs of life. You know, the end of the year is also a time of reflection for businesses. And if you're involved in business, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. It's typically the end of a fiscal year for business. So you're, you're closing your books, you're generating reports, and you're measuring performance for the year. So that means that performance evaluations are coming. Um, I can remember strongly my first performance appraisal. I had just graduated college and I was recruited by uh, a large Fortune 500 company to enter into this management program. I worked real hard. And within 10 months, I was promoted and given the opportunity to manage and oversee a million-dollar business. My very first year in running the business, we did amazing. We almost doubled our sales, and we increased profits by 30%. And we were killing it. And I was only 24 years old, and I thought I was the best manager ever. Um, so the time came for my first performance appraisal. Never had one before. I was nervous. I had asked some people about it, didn't really know what to expect. But I was also excited because I know that we had did such an amazing job. And sure enough, as the evaluation began, I was rewarded. I was commended. My boss said that because of my performance, they were going to increase my salary 20%. Not only that, they were going to give me a 20% bonus. And as, if that wasn't enough, they were sending my wife and me on a trip to the Bahamas. And not just anywhere in the Bahamas, but to Atlantis Island. Anybody ever been? Okay, so you see, it's, it's very rare. It's a, it was amazing. We had a great time. As he was saying these things to me, my jaw was dropping. Uh, but, but what you couldn't see was that my head was swelling. Maybe you could see it. I don't know. But my jaw was dropping. My head was swelling. And on the inside, I was beating my chest. But then we came to the sections of the appraisal where they talk about areas of improvement. And I was thinking, hold up. <laughs> Wait a minute. 
you just spent this whole time pretty much telling me how awesome I was. Now you're going to give me something that I need to improve on. You know, in my mind, I didn't, I didn't need to improve. I, I was good enough. But this is what my boss said. He said, Zach, I see two areas in your life that you need to work on or they're going to give you trouble down the road. The first area that I needed to work on was delegation. Um, I've always been a hands-on type of person, wanted to be involved in everything. And some of you all know this about me now. It's difficult for me to, to let things go. But this is what he said. He said, you need to delegate more. You're, you're a manager now, and that's what managers do. The second thing that he told me I needed to, to improve on was hiring the right people. Hiring the right people. I've, I'm a nice guy, and I've got a really big heart. And what I would do is I would hire somebody that came along and asked for a job. I just felt bad, you know, felt like I needed to do that. I didn't focus on hiring the right person, okay? That was... A, a, an area that I needed to work on. So we finished the appraisal. We got through with it. But what, what did I focus on? The good stuff. The good stuff. I didn't heed the warnings from my boss. So here's what happened. Over the course of nine years, I had three back surgeries. 20, 24 years old. My first one was at 26. Three back surgeries. I ended up hiring people that stole money. Stole merchandise, constantly called into work sick, and ended up wrecking two of my company vehicles. So you see, I should have listened, but I didn't. I thought that I would be okay in the direction I was going, but I wasn't. Looking back, I wish I had acted differently. I'm sure that, that you can relate to what I'm saying a little bit. As we all look back at 2015, I'm sure there are many things that we wanted to do that we should have done, or maybe we could have done them a little bit better. And we do this every year. We do this with things like health. We think things like, I should have watched my diet. Or I didn't exercise enough this year. Or maybe I didn't exercise at all. I really didn't try that hard to quit drinking or smoking. We also do this spiritually as well. We think things like, I wish I would have spent more time with my family, less time at work. Or I wish I would have read my Bible more. I wanted to work on my prayer life. I know I should have attended church more. I was doing other things. I really wanted to join a small group to take that next step, but I didn't. Or I really know I should volunteer, especially when Zach's up there asking for volunteers. I know I should do that. Maybe I'll do it next year. Right? We say that. Maybe next year? How many years? How many years have you said the same things? Year after year, how many times do you have the same regrets? Aren't you, aren't you tired of that? I know, I know in many ways I am. So here, here's the deal. This time next year, I don't want your spiritual life to be one of those regrets. You know, it's always a good thing to keep growing in our spiritual 
lives. And to grow, sometimes we have to look back in order to move forward. I know that sounds weird. It'll make more sense in just a a minute. Sometimes we have to look back in order to move forward. And think about this. Just like evaluations in business, what are you doing? We need to take a hard look at our lives and evaluate where we are spiritually. In fact, God's Word tells us to do just that. 2 Corinthians 13.5 says, Test yourselves to see if you are in the faith. Examine yourselves. Before any change can occur, before any change in your life can occur, a proper evaluation is necessary. And today we're going to look at the Old Testament book of Haggai. And some of you might call it Haggai. Both are correct. I'll probably use both by the end of the service on accident. So just bear with me. The Old Testament book of Haggai and what God told Haggai to do was to go before the people of Israel and to give them a performance evaluation. Now as you're turning in your Bibles, if you, if you find Matthew and you go backwards, it's easier to find it that way. I'll just tell you. So as you're turning in your Bibles, let me give you a little bit of a background. We all know King David. King David wanted to build a temple for God, but it would ultimately be Solomon, his son, that would build and construct this magnificent temple. And there was nothing like it in the world. It was amazing. But after the death of Solomon, the nation of Israel turned from God. They lived their lives as if God wasn't needed. So what did God do? God allowed the Babylonians to take over Jerusalem. They destroyed the city. They took most of the people captive. And in 586 B.C., this magnificent temple that Solomon built was completely leveled, completely destroyed. Fifty years after the destruction of the temple, there was this Persian king named Cyrus God used him to allow the people of Israel to return to their homes and to rebuild the temple. Imagine this. These people were so excited to be able to return home, to be able to rebuild their temple, to have their house of worship again. And immediately on arriving back, sure enough, they got busy. They got to work on the temple. They built the foundation And they built the altar. But guess what? The excitement didn't last very long at all. As they were building the temple, they ran into some difficulties. The difficulties they faced eventually led to procrastination and ultimately a halting of of all work. And the temple was left unfinished. Now, I, I don't want you to get the idea that this was just a brief pause in the work. 15 years, around 15 years, the temple remained unfinished. The people of God had completely changed their priorities. And they neglected to be obedient to God. There were some distractions in the lives of the people. And they would use these distractions as excuses not to build God's house. So God sent a prophet named Haggai 
to reveal to the people God's displeasure, to ask the people to evaluate their lives, and to provide them encouragement and direction. And so Haggai begins his message by telling the people there are some distractions with their obedience. And here's here's why I need you to pay attention. These can be distractions for us as well. Let's look at chapter 1, verse 2. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say, the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. So the first distraction is it's just, it's not the right time. It's not the right time. Notice in the text, it says these people. Do you see that? These people. When God is usually referring to his people, he says my people, doesn't he? You know, this is like the time when my kid is misbehaving. And my wife says, Zach, your son is eating out of the trash again. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about. He did it two days ago. So God is obviously displeased with them. Why was he displeased? Well, it says they were saying the time has not yet come. Now I want you to understand something. They were not saying that they didn't have enough time. This isn't referring to measurable time like I don't have enough time in the, in the day. But what the people were saying was that the time isn't good. There's a difference. It's just not a good time for me. Historically, the economy was bad there. Life was difficult. It was hard to make a living. Living wasn't easy. Does this sound similar to anybody? Can you relate to a bad economy? You know, in so many ways, we use this same excuse today. Really, God, I want to do this. I know I, I, know I should do this, but it's just not a good time. It's not the right time. What you need to understand is this. There will there never be an ideal time for you. There will never be that perfect situation in your life. The enemy wants us to put off living for God by making us think, more often than not, that the time isn't right. But God wants us to know this. God wants us to know the time is now to put first things first. The time is now to put first things first. Continue with me in verse 3. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains a ruin? So not only were the people distracted by their circumstances, it's just not a, it's not a good time for me, but they were also distracted by focusing more on themselves. So another distraction is when our focus is on ourselves. Our focus is on ourselves. Notice in the text it says, you yourselves. If you've got a King James, it says, you, oh ye. I think that's pretty funny. That's the same thing as saying, you, yes, you. Okay, so it's pretty strong. You, uh, yes, you. I'm talking about you. 
So the people here are being singled out because of the way they were living. How are they living? It says they were living in paneled houses. And today we're like paneling. Oh, no. Sorry to some of you that have paneling. But see, back then at that time, it was, it was a very expensive material. It was considered to be fancy. I mean, it was considered to be the real deal, a nice home. So instead of focusing on building God's house, the people were more focused on building their own houses. You see, they were distracted by their own needs. And this can be a huge distraction for us as well. We spend so much time and money investing into our own lives that we neglect to give God anything. And I don't want you to think that God has a problem with you buying things or having money. God doesn't have a problem with that. But when we are consumed by those things and we are consumed by ourselves, we, we lose our focus on God. Our priorities become mixed up. And when, when our priorities become mixed up, we get distracted. It's a distraction. God wants us to know. Are you with me? The time is now. To put first things first. The time is now to put first things first. Well, what happens if we don't get our priorities in order? What's the big deal, Zach? Well, let's look and see at what God tells the people of Israel. You know, unfortunately, there's, there are results that impact their lives, as we'll see. And I think these can impact our lives as well. Look at verse 5. Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Give careful thought to your ways. Your translation might say consider your ways. Something like that. Unfortunately, there are consequences to not focusing on God. And Haggai tells the people to give careful thought to your ways. In other words, evaluate your lives. Consider how you are living your lives. And what he's trying to do is, is Haggai's trying to open their eyes to the reality of their situation. Sometimes we need God to do that. Sometimes we need God to open up our eyes so we can see what, what is really going on. Haggai is giving them a reality check. and He's telling the people, this is what's going on in your, in your life. Look at verse 6. You have planted much. You've worked so hard. You've been so busy. But you've harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but never have your, your fill. You put clothes on, but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. So one result of having wrong priorities is that you will never be satisfied. If God is not in his proper place, you will never be satisfied. We spend so much time working to get more stuff, but what do we have that will actually last? God is saying if we live our lives with him in the background... Everything that we try to accomplish for ourselves will be in vain. There will be no return on our investment. This is because nothing we do 
will ever satisfy us. We will never be content. We will never have enough. I've thought this before. Sometimes we think, if I just had more money, it would be better. It would be a better time for me. Life would be easier. What happens when you get more money? You spend it, and then what do you want? More money. It, it doesn't last. It doesn't satisfy. When your priorities are mixed up, focusing on ourselves will never, ever satisfy. And you could get caught up in this really, really long cycle, and then you come to the end, end of your life. Where did it go? Notice it says in the text, you earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. My wife's got a few of those. Literally, it's got holes in it. And I've got a pair of athletic pants that I've had, I think, since college. And uh, it's got a hole in the pot, right pocket. And I always get it mixed up. But I still wear them. I wore them a couple of days ago. And I put my keys in the right pocket, and they went straight down to my feet. But I just can't find myself to throw them away, you know. They're sentimental. That's what the text is saying here. That's exactly what happens to your money when you put it into yourselves. It leaves just as soon as you put it in your pocket. It doesn't last. Further in verse 9, you expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why, declares the Lord Almighty. Because of my house, which remains a ruin, while each of you is busy with your own house. Wow, are you hearing that today? That's pretty strong, isn't it? That's pretty convicting. Verse 10. Therefore, because of you, the heavens have withheld their due, and the earth its crops. I called for a drought on the fields and the mountains, on the grain, the new wine, the olive oil, and everything else that the ground produces on people and on livestock. And if that's not enough, it says, and on all, all the labor of your hands. So another result of having wrong priorities is that you risk losing blessings from God. You risk losing blessings from God. If our priorities are wrong, please understand, that means that we're not living our lives the way that God wants us to. So the opposite of obedience is disobedience, correct? So what does God do to people that fail to ignore him, fail to be obedient to him? He absolutely can take it all away. He can. God is sovereign. If, if he's the giver of everything, naturally, he can also take everything away. All the work that we do to bring things home to ourselves, the text says that God can just blow it away. Now, I want to talk to some of you for just a minute. We pray things like, God bless my job. That's an honest prayer, isn't it? 
if your priorities are mixed up, you can't expect God to bless that. We say, God bless my marriage. We say, God bless my family. It says, the blessings that we are expecting, if our priorities are mixed up, it says the heavens withheld their due. So it's almost as if God is wanting to bless these things that we're asking for, but because he's not where he needs to be in our lives, he is withholding those blessings. When we toil and when we labor and when we focus so much on ourselves, God can call for a drought, a drought on all of the labor of our hands. You know, all of our efforts may bring some temporary satisfaction or pleasure. But in the long run, everything that we do for ourselves is fruitless. So that's a pretty strong message, isn't it? What were the people of Israel to do? Reprioritize. When your priorities are mixed up, you reprioritize. Look at verse 7. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up in the mountains and bring down timber and build my house. Why? So that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. So the people of Israel already knew exactly what they were supposed to do. God wanted them to get back to work. Get busy. I've already instructed you on what to do. I've already told you. I want you to get your priorities straight, and I want you to get back to work. Now, what, the, what God told the people of Israel applies to us today as well. And I know that they were, they were told to build a literal temple. But the underlying issue is their priorities. So let's use the instructions that God gave the people of Israel, and let's apply them to our lives. So first, what did God say? Give careful thought to your ways. Give careful thought to your ways. In other words, evaluate your lives. Take a hard, honest look and consider how you're living. Look back and ask yourself, am I more focused on fulfilling my life and building my empire than I am focusing on what God wants. Evaluate. Next, go up into the mountains. Go up into the mountains. Get with God. Get with God. You know, Jesus would often get away from everything that was going on to spend time alone with the Father, and a lot of times he would go up into the mountains. Now, I'm not telling you to go up into the mountains, literally, you understand that. But what I am saying is take time to get away from everything. Spend time with God. Asking questions. It's okay to ask God questions. Repenting when you need to. And praying for wisdom and strength and moving forward. You know, honestly, I think this is the real reason why we have those same regrets year after year. It's because we skip this step. We try to do things on our own. We... We, we evaluate our lives, God reveals something to us, and then we try to do it ourselves. We leave this step completely out. We leave God completely out of the picture. I want you to know that when you do this, when we do this, we're only setting ourselves up for failure. Before we can do anything, we have to get with God. 
Then they were told to bring down timber. Bring down timber. Okay, Zach, where are you going with this? I know that's what you're thinking. Be intentional about making changes. Be intentional about making changes. Change is difficult, isn't it? But if change is what's needed, you have to be intentional about changing. I want to be honest with you. Sometimes the changes that God reveals to us in our lives are hard. Sometimes they take hard work. Sometimes it takes rolling up your sleeves. Sometimes it takes cutting down some timber. And you need to understand this. It may take a very long time. When we make a change in our lives, we're expecting an immediate uh, result. Sometimes that doesn't happen. Sometimes change can take a very long time. And here's the big picture. Changing and saying yes to God ultimately means saying no to a lot of things. Saying yes to God means saying no to a lot of things. Bring down the timber. It's hard work. Be intentional about making those changes. Then finally, they were told to build my house. Build my house. Grow spiritually. You know, we don't have a physical temple anymore. The temple that Haggai instructed the people to rebuild no longer exists. The temple was where the presence of God dwelt. Now, because of the cross and because of the resurrection, when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, God's Spirit comes to live within you. Since we are the temple of God, do you think He cares about the way we live our lives? He does. God wants us to build his temple. Why? So that he can be honored. And how do we do that? Well, we honor God with our choices. We place him first in our lives. And we commit to a growing relationship with him. As we close, sometimes God calls us to look back in order to move forward. I hope that makes a little bit more sense to you now. God wants us to consider our ways. He wants us to evaluate our lives. And He wants us to make those needed changes and focus on living our lives for Him. Hey, my prayer today is that this time next year, you all won't have those same regrets that you've had year after year. God says the time is now to put first things first. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And Lord, I, I thank you for um, revealing some things in my life that, Lord, were, were interfering with my obedience to you. Lord, if you spoke to our hearts today, Lord, just help us to be receptive to what you've told us if you've revealed a change that's needed in our lives, Lord, help us to understand that you want to be first in our lives. Help us to understand that, God, before we change, we have to ask for help from you. We have to get with you. So many times we try to do the change by ourselves, and, Lord, we fail time and time again. 
But with you, Lord, all things are possible. And so we ask that you be with us, Lord, in this coming year, Lord. Clean us where we need to be cleaned. Lord, keep our eyes focused on you at all times. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.